0: Hey, good morning, and um, uh, good morning from over rainy London. Hopefully, where you guys are, um, it's, uh, it's a it's a nice morning. Um, um, but I'm Paul Mackenzie, and um, uh, I am I'm the founder and CEO of uh, Mackenzie PR um, here in London. And today, we're going to talk about purposeful PR. Um, this is this is our Ask the Expert, which is an award-winning daily live show from 8:30 a.m. to 9 a.m. to help small businesses. If you have any questions, obviously ask them in the comments in the live feed. And if you need any more advice, join the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB Community Group on Facebook. Accountants and business experts are on hand twenty-four-seven during the live session. You'll be running; we'll be running a poll, so do engage with it. And at the end, we shall reveal the live results. Um, yeah, so um, I think just to, just quick intro to kick off. Um, um, before we sort of jump into the Q&A um, about uh, um, who I am and how we, how I sort of uh, came to found T, which is my agency. Um, and I guess before we start talking about the wonderful thing, which is sort of purposeful PR and how you guys can apply it to your amazing businesses um, in the real world, a little bit about how I went on my sort of purpose journey. Um, and yeah, I mean, look. The, the, the truth is, I'm not. I wasn't classically trained in, in, in PR, right? A lot of people go through communication school, and I didn't do that. I flunked at uni. It is sort of my story, um, and you know, much to the sort of malaise of my mother, um, and um, and I sort of I sort of left uni, sort of not knowing what to do. Now, my father was a journalist, and still is a journalist. In fact, he he's a journalist in the Daily Mail, and he is um, he is the longest surviving uh, gossip diarist in Fleet Street which is all, all the papers used to congregate in London. Um, so I kind of grew up in a newsroom because my dad was a journalist and I always loved the cut and thrust of media and it gave me a real sort of taste for, I think, what PR was. But my father definitely told me to stay away from from from, from media because at that point, media was changing. The media landscape was fragmenting and, and it was very hard to get a job as a sort of graduate journalist and the pay was very bad, but he said, hey, what about PR? And I never really, really knew what PR was. Um, um, But luckily, I managed to get a job interview um, with a firm called Bukowski, which is sort of where my formative sort of training started um, um, in PR. And and Bukowski was a great firm and still is, run by the legend that is Mark Bukowski, a big mentor of mine. I think to understand how kind of purposeful PR uh, has has come about, we need to understand how PR and media has changed. And back then, when I was working for Mark Mark Bukowski, um, PR really was... Um, I don't want to sound disingenuous, but it was a little bit about spin, right? Creative PR, the the, the beauty of the picture, um, stunts, um, and sort of the craft of publicity, really trying to concoct stories for your clients and put together all the pieces to enable you to, to sort of tell that story to media. And storytelling is a massive, big part of that. Um, you know, I'll give you a very quick example of how how it worked in those days. Uh, we had a client called The Book of Cool, which, for all intents and purposes, was a bible for teenagers. Uh, where you sort of, um, it showed you how to, check, to, to, to juggle and how to do kickups and curl a ball into the back of the net and fire breathe and all those things, sort of things that teenage boys wanted to do. Uh, the Book of Cool. And one of the things in there was that a chainsaw juggler. And to promote the book, we decided to get the chainsaw juggler from the book over to London and do um, a, a live chainsaw juggling event in Trafalgar Square. And this guy's from Texas, of course. Um, and we invited, him, we invited him over, ostensibly we invited him over and managed to get him banned from performing in Trafalgar Square, um, basically uh, because we, we, we set it up to fail effectively. We, we sort of only applied for our license two days before um, um, it was due to happen. And the council, of course, banned it. And we took this ban to the media. We said, can you believe the council NIMBYs are banning free entertainment and variety for London, um, for Londoners and visitors to London? Um, and we concocted a story, right? And, and the, the Evening Standard ran a full page, and at the Daily Star, picked it up the next day. BBC London and ITV News ran ran pieces on it. You know, we created a story from nothing. I think that was the brilliant thing about publicity back then. You could kind of create stories because you could tell half truths and and sort of lies a little bit to media to to sort of you know to sort of strong mindedly tell your client story to, to 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 an audience. So. Yeah, so I started in publicity, then then sort of moved on to um, Edelman, which is a huge firm. And and there, I guess, I start to learn about actually the grown up and the the sort of changing landscape of PR. Um, And and that was, you know, kind of crisis comms and corporate and and big grown consumer stuff, much more integrated brand communication, working on big brands like London 2012 Olympic Games and Xbox and Heinegan and um, all those um, sort of fabulous brands. And of course, they 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 did something great called the Trust Barometer, um, which is still going. and basically looks at how much people trust business um, and institutions across the globe. And I think from my early formative years of publicity and sort of storytelling with the Pekoski through to sort of Edelman, which is far more sort of where purpose started to play a role and you had to sort of, um, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, be honest about your communication. That's where my kind of formative years of sort of purposeful PR grew. And after sort of 15 years in the industry, I thought, well, you know, enough is enough for agency side. I'm going to start my own business. So I, started, I set up McIntyre Communications in 2015 and 2016. And I didn't mean to start an agency at all. I just wanted a better way of working, um, having, you know, kind of giving lots of blood, sweat and tears to corporate um, PR outfits over the, over the course of my career. Um, so, yeah, I started my own firm and, and hired my first um, um, employee. And now we're sort of 15 people and look after some fantastic clients in 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 london um, from you know uh, telecommunications through to um f and b and alcohol um and film and retail etc but um yeah i guess we our our philosophy is made is is purposeful pr made by makers and wh- when you ask sort of what purposeful pr is i guess you know purpose is something that if you're a brand you have to stand for something above your commercials right Apart from selling people products, what is it that governs you as a as a brand or as a service or as a product? What can consumers look at you and be inspired by? How are you making the world, the small piece of the world that you inhabit, a better place via your mere existence? Purpose doesn't have to be lofty, it doesn't have to be huge, it doesn't have to be saving the world or um you know kind of creating world peace, um, but it does need to stand for something beyond your product. And I and, and when we look at the sort of purpose journey, we need to understand why purpose is important for brand communications these days. And the reason is, really, if you sort of step back a moment, our sort of, our sort of remit as, as as PR people has changed over the course of, you know, sort of 100, 120 years. If you look at the definition of PR in the 1900s, by the book, you know, that what, that PR definition was very much about transmitting to the public and communicating what your message was and getting them to buy it. Fast forward to 2021, and and PR now is is very much about quid pro quo with your audience. It's give and take. It's a mutuality. It's goodwill and and, and exchanging things. Um, and I think that journey is important because what we learn is that in the 1900s, PR companies didn't tell their their, their cons- the consumers or the audience about what they did. And in fact, people probably only knew about 10 percent of what happened in the company, 90% of it of, of the rest was kept behind closed doors in the boardroom, you weren't to know about it. They just told you what they wanted to communicate. Now, we know 90% about the companies we inhabit. And the reason this is, is because we live in this age of transparency, where consumers now expect from their brands, they expect to know about their supply chain, they expect to know how they treat their employees. If they're going to make a purchasing decision with that brand, they want to know that that brand stands for the beliefs that they stand for and this is particularly true with millennials right who kind of yeah um who essentially want to um to buy into a brand because it fits their, and mirrors their own beliefs and i think 50, 50 or 60% of, millenn- of millennials and probably um the generation above them now um, actually make purchasing decisions based on whether they like that brand or not and if that brand does good things and looks good on their on their feeds so this age of transparency has come about mainly because of social media um and, and, you know, social media has allowed us to kind of have the warts and all behind brands to know things that we wouldn't necessarily know. I mean, if you look at all the massive conglomerates and companies um, um, in across the world, we, we would never have known that companies like Starbucks didn't pay their corporation tax, were it not for social media. We would never have known that Travis Kalanick, the... The CEO of Uber, or the ex CEO of Uber, was made the ex CEO of Uber because he got sacked because he jumped into the back of one of his own taxis and had a foul mouth rant um, at one of his own employees. Social media made that possible, so um, that has really driven um purposeful communications. The fact that consumers can now log on or be vocal about the companies they they follow and and, and purchase, um, and, and yeah, our ethos sort of purposeful PR made by makers. Yes, you have to have that purpose of brand. And we like to work with brands who, who stand for something beyond the product and the commercials, as I said. But the way of sort of making that work with culture, which is something we're a big believer in, in purpose or PR, um, is by working with the culture makers. So people are actively trying to remove themselves from brand communication, right, if you think about it. You as you as consumers, if you imagine yourself consumers for a moment, you're not sat there waiting to be marketed by, to by the brands that, that you love. That you're just not. Um, um, and and um, you actually, consumers these days, employ ad blockers to avoid brand communication. Um, you know, they skip ads. You're on YouTube and you're watching some content or on Netflix, you skip everything. You don't want to be marketed to. But what you do love as consumers is culture. So culture is very, very important to, to tell your story. And that's something hopefully we'll get some questions on today and we can talk about. Because if you've got a purpose, you've got to dip into the passion point of, of your audience. And I think if I've learned nothing else in the sort of, 20 years um, of doing brand communication is that um, perpetual work how to create perpetual work is driven by two things one find an enemy or attention for your brand um and two and two um align your product credentials with culture um and you know the, the first bit you know finding the enemy or attention the way you arrive at your purpose like any great story that you tell any great yarn any great narrative it always has a good guy and a bad guy, a protagonist and an enemy a tension there. So find that enemy and that tension and use it to help storytell what your brand does. And then you must use culture because, like I say, people are waiting, sitting there waiting to be marketed to by brands. So if you align yourself with their passion points, things they do care about, it could be cooking, it could be sustainability, it could be a host of other things, then you will have a Trojan horse to tell your story. Um, and at Macinty, this is something we've sort of done countless times, the brands we worked with, um, and, um, and it really forges a, a really a good sort of framework to enable um, us to tell creative stories that land with media and that have purpose at the heart. So I think I'm at, I'm done on my 10 minutes. So, yeah, we've got some nice questions coming in. I'm just going to read them out and then um, love to give you guys some, some good responses. Uh, so this is from Andy at Instagram uh, via DM. Thank you, um, Andy. Uh, so Andy, you're a final year student studying PR and communications. Congratulations, a noble cause. And what are some advice you would give me um, when looking for jobs in this field after graduating? Yeah, I mean look, that's that's a great question and, and um I think um, it's never been tough at the moment, right, to cut through. Um, I remember when start, I started I sort of started out in my um, career and, and lucky I got that I landed that job at Bukowski. The one thing I would say is Andy, look for look for good grad schemes, right? Um, or good initiatives um where you can um get into a good agency. Um it doesn't necessarily have to be in PR, right? It could be in-house at a brand in the in the PR um, um um team, um, or it could be in a parallel industry like you know, creative creative advertising or something, but with a PR sort of remit. And look for the schemes where um, they're bringing on sort of grads and, and are trying to help um, the younger uh, um, demographic get into, into the job place. One thing we do at McIntyre is we have a Made by Makers residence where we've aligned ourselves with universities in London um, who are um, excellent creative universities. And we take on board um, some of their interns every year and give them a placement for three months. And we pay, obviously, it's a paid internship. Um, and um, yeah, we we give them live live experience on live brands and live briefs. They get the cut and thrust of, of what all like to work in the real world, and and we also get their experience. So don't forget that brands brands even though it's hard to cut through, brands are looking for you guys, right? You're the you're the gen, generation um, X generation Y, and that's the, that's the future consumers. So um, so many brands out there will be wanting to bring you on board. You just have to look really really hard. So rather than going down the route of you know, sort of the the traditional um um sort of job application. I'd really look at what agencies, what brands do you want to be involved with, and see what schemes they have, because lots of these sort of brands and and agencies now have have um, very forward thinking schemes because they have to, right? If we're talking about purposeful PR, they need to bring on the younger generation. It's super important for future proofing yourself as a business. So I'd look hard, Andy, and good luck to you. Um, yes, yeah, so the next one is from Antonia um, from Twitter on DM. According to you, what are the key ingredients of a good media pitch note? It's very funny. I've seen a lot of stuff on social media about this recently from um, some big, big media names who have been taken aback by um, um, young PRs emailing them with niceties at the start, i.e. we've never met before, but how are you? I hope you're surviving well in the pandemic and they've been um they've been called out for um unnecessary niceties which i think is a bad thing and actually these 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 people these notable faces on twitter who've been doing this have actually been slapped down by other people in the industry say so it's a bit mean to to say that they should do that so look niceties always start right i think, sorry niceties at the start always help we should never forget that you're communicating with a human even if you've never met them before and even though it's it's on it's on a, a digital um um, piece of software, um, but yeah, be nice and be succinct. Get to the point very quickly. Um, I think you know, elevator pitches are, are the best, right? If you can nail your pitch or even your business idea or whatever it is in thirty seconds, that's usually beneficial. So, when when concocting an email to journalists, be nice, but don't be over lushy, and just be very succinct and direct um, in your approach to them. Um, I think yeah, get to the point very quickly land what it is and do it via bullet so it's very readable because journalists live in a scrolling world as we all do um, and a scary fact for you is that the channel five news editor um one of the main terrestrial channels here in the in the in the uk gets 465 emails in his inbox every morning which he deletes because they're automated emails from um from pr people who set prep press releases to go in the morning and and, and they're automated and faceless so to cut through those, Antonio, what I would say to you is be human, be succinct, use bullets and get to your point very quickly and then get off that journalist journalist email because they'll have another email to get onto. Um, so I hope that helps. Uh, okay, next question. Ken from Facebook Messenger. Is getting publicity in the media possible for small businesses? I don't have the budget to hire an agency. Yeah, I mean, look, this is something um, that is always a challenge for small businesses, Um, 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 you know, not having the sort of funds in order to compete with with much bigger um, businesses. Look, I guess, um, Ken, I guess the thing, I don't know, obviously, um, uh, what your business is, so it's sort of hard to um, give you any um, um, sort of direct advice, but obviously we have to assume you've got a great product, right? The one thing we've heard from consumers is that – even before you market, just make sure your product is great, right? And as PR people, that's something we really look for: is the is the product good? Is the service as best it can be? And if it is, then you have the building blocks. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I'll be smart. I talked about culture, right? Um, have you thought about how you tell your story via culture? Whatever business you are you are in, I'd imagine there's a halo of sort of cultural interests that sit above it, you know. If you're in coffee, um, that that could be um, you know the aromas or the senses um, because coffee is very sensual. Um, I'd look at what your business is and I'd look at the sort of um, sort of uh, yeah sort of a, available culture opportunities around you to in order to tell that story um, and sort of try and create sort of try and land your products in that. So try and create stories which resonate with those um, with those. Um, those consumers. So, for instance, if it is coffee, let's just say, for instance, you know, you're not cutting through, and I've got the best coffee in the world, and that's not cutting it. You know, can you can you change tack to say I've got the best smelling coffee in the world? You know, I've got an expert to come in, and, and he smelt it, and he smelt a million coffees, and he said this is the aroma that really tantalises customers' taste buds. You know, bad idea, but you know, you get the point. Um, so, good luck to you, Ken. Next one uh, is Jackie um, from Instagram DM. How do you think the role of marketing, communication, and PR will change in the immediate future? Um hmm. Good question. Um, and one that warrants a big conversation, but we'll try and answer um, a bit concisely. Um, look, I think that um, uh, there's a massive gray area. All, the, all communications are converging um you know we work in the pr land what is pr now right everyone's trying to do it Ad agencies are trying to do it production agencies trying to do it there's a massive sort of rush to the middle um to to sort of um to to sort of grab the the attention of a a really transient and, and impatient consumer so i think we're going to see more of that i think we're going to see more Agencies um, try and do everything, um, mainly because budgets for clients from clients aren't exactly what they were. So I think the sort of, yeah, you're going to see a lot of convergence. Um, You're going to see a lot of agencies offering full service and working in a networked way. Um, A lot of big agencies these days have a core team of um, experts who deliver um, um, the day to day. And then all the ancillary services they offer are via networked people, i.e., people who aren't on the payroll. And ergo, if they're not on the payroll, there's not a massive cost to the consumer. So, yeah, I think convergence and networking, as 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 um, as communications experts, is very appealing and and probably where the future lies. Hope that helps, Jackie. Um, uh, shortcuts from Facebook Live. Um, does the transparency of social media today make PR more difficult? Um, I think so. I think I think it really does. Um, yeah, I mean look the, the i guess it's a great thing, right? It's great to be accountable, um, which is what social media does. Um and, and the days of spin, which I spoke about at the start and um, via my intro are long gone. Um and that is a good thing actually, because um consumers um consumers now um understand and have full transparency in the, on the brands they buy into. Um I think I think the problem with transparency in social media is that social media has has been weaponized. Um and I think that um uh, I think that unfortunately what what good comes from social media, there's a whole load of bad trolling on social media, and I and I feel that you can't have the good without having the bad. So unfortunately now we live in this era of openness. That openness has been used um bad effect by some people which is unfortunate but i think ultimately if we are if we are honest um, with our our audiences um um as as brand communicators i think we have to say that transparency has massively helped um and i think consumers expect it now so i don't think there's any other way uh okay so juliet from twitter via dm hello juliet good morning to you i'm building two apps Well done. You're a busy lady that are launching soon within different fields. Wow. Super. What, what's your advice on getting the hype up and would you recommend doing it before the launch or engaging the media after? Wow. You are a tech entrepreneur for sure, Julia. Um, hmm. Again, I have to make some assumptions just on what they are. It's difficult. Um, I assume they're world-class and well-beating. Yeah. I mean, look, um, Obviously, with tech media these days, what a lot of people do is put it on, you know, Product Hunt or, or Tech Crunch, and it might still be in beta version and get journalists to um, to, to sort of uh, um, try it um, um, in order to write about it favorably. I mean, the one thing from my experience of launching these sort of things from for, for um, clients is, is you can't put a product... If it's a tech product or a piece of software out into the public domain, if it's not ready, right? If it if it's not um, fit for purpose, and the one of the big things with with tech, and this I found this right across tech. If, it, if it's even if it's if it's apps, um, or, or or if it's a, a piece of a tech of hardware, if it's buggy and it goes out into the ether, journalists write about it and they get negative responses, and it's very very hard. To get rid of that negative review on social media or on on the digital media, um, um, once once it's out there. So I would suggest you're always better launching um, launching it and PRing it once once you launch, mainly from a tech um, um bug um fixing perspectives. Obviously, with complete respect to your tech team who are building it. Um, but yeah, and then and then once it's launched, uh, I'd be super targeted about the media you approach. Um. You know, I think uh, having a, a really kind of tight media list and knowing and, and doing the research and the journalists who write about the apps um, and the, the, the markets and the industries in which you operate is going to save you loads of time and also make your pitching so much more efficient um, to media. Um, so, yeah, do your research. And, and like I said, you know, let's focus not just on your product and how amazing your product is. Focus on how your product can make your consumers' lives better. Right, so again, it's that culture piece. Right, what, what, whatever industry you inhabit, how are you making your life, the life easier for consumers? So, yes, you can use some data from your early usage to see how people are using it, which hopefully can influence your pitching. But look at some independent data which is in your industry too, um, and don't feel afraid to use that and reference it properly in order to help tell your story about why your app is relevant right here and right now and um, hopefully that helps Juliet and good luck you sound like a very busy lady uh Robert from Instagram on DM hi Paul I want to raise my own profile in the media I'm a freelance videographer do you have any advice on how to go about this um yeah great I love videographers um I love moving image um I think it's a real craft so um good luck to you congratulations um you know what? I think the the one of the best ways of mobilizing your work is obviously social media, right? We've spoken about it a lot today. And um get your get your showreel down to 10 seconds and, and bang it, bang it in Twitter and, and DM that at people and make that make that 10 seconds the best 10 seconds they're gonna see and, and the best reflection of your work. You know, I get sent so many show, showreels by brilliant and interesting and and, and really, really good videographers. But we get so many of them, we don't have the minutes and the hours of the day to watch all of them. However, if someone targeted me on social media and, and sent me sort of a, a very succinct 10, 20, 30 second showreel, which was made for, for social media in the sense that, you know, it's Giphy um, and it's, it's 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 kind of condensed all of the great work down to a short form piece of content. To me, I'm digesting that, and I'm I'm also super impressed by the person super um, super targeting to me. So, yeah, I guess the two lessons are, you know, create great content in a really concise form that's optimized for social media, and super target the people, uh, the agencies, the brand owners that you you want to um, um, to interact with. Um, I hope that helps. And good luck to you. Um, okay, so I think it's the final question now. Just for the time, this is from Zara, um, which was coming from Twitter via DM. Good morning. It's easier to focus on. It's easier to focus on online media to get press coverage. Question. Um, yes. Well, I look. You know, um, I would say um, online media is is digital media is where the audience inhabit right now um but don't forget don't forget traditional media and print right <clears throat> Um they although although the the sort of industry is is moving towards um, um uh, online media traditional media is super important people still buy sunday newspapers they still watch the 10 o'clock news they still read those su- supplements um so look at both um zara please don't never forget the traditional bastions of media Right. Um, I've got to wrap up and intro the next week so. And the poll results, which you guys have had um, today, the poll results are in. We asked you, have you pivoted your business in the last year? 60% of you said yes, and 40% said no. Well, wow, that's um, that definitely shows that uh, you guys have been busy in lockdown, so well done. Um, and, and good luck with future pivots. So, yeah, that brings us to an end. Thank you all for tuning in. If you want to get into contact with me, you can send me an email on paul at That's mc um, Coming up on our the Expert tomorrow is Sean Goldsmith, who is a special advisor to the franchise industry and helps brands to redevelop their sales and operational structures so they can be more profitable and better equipped to help franchisees flourish. Tune in tomorrow to learn how to franchise your business Don't forget to join the official Intuit Cookbooks SMB group on Facebook and also register for QuickBooks Connect. You can find the link in the comments. Have a good day, everyone. Thanks for tuning in.